Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of New Vida Let's Talk. Today we have the owner of uh, Kyle's Fried Chicken and Barbecue, and also Salt and Swine. So for those who don't really know you, Kyle, I guess you want to give a, a slow introduction maybe of who you are and your background. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm 35 now, which nobody believes. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, pretty much like Northern Ontario all my life until 21 and I moved to Toronto, went to George Brown, went to chef school, just decided like, I'm going to kill myself going into work and uh, worked like seven to two every day in a deli shop and then in a meat shop after that. But during the night, I'd basically go in the kitchen and, you know, punish myself until two o'clock in the morning and then wake up at you know five and go to work for the next day so sounds like uh like like i don't know sounds like a, a torture i guess right so like what made you want to like fall in love with that industry like at least like culinary it's you know it's the camaraderie it's the the feeling of family and a team and like when you're in your zone you're in your element you're just like there's nothing else that can stop you you're just completely unstoppable as a team you know like you can face so much failure and yet still like just push through everything. And by the end of the night, you're amazed at like what you did. That's awesome. Uh, was there a defining moment <clears throat> in any place you worked as like a young chef or that kind of you told yourself like this is where I want to continue for sure? Or like that almost made you back out of it? You know what? I've had more more failure than a success when it comes to like going into restaurants. And I worked for a lot of like big names right? coming out of school and literally like had my ass kicked more than anything else in the world. But I think it was like humility. It taught me humility. I was turning into like a raging asshole when I was in my twenties <laughs> and you know, just like a meteoric rise. And then all of a sudden somebody just like brings you right back to earth and you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't be such an a-hole. Yeah. And a meteoric rise, like in the sense of like in the, in the restaurant industry, like were you like starting off as like, cause like I used to work at Earl's and I started as a dishwasher and then you go to like salads and then you go into appetizers and then you slowly get your way up. Yeah. You know, how, how, how was that like process for you? Well, it's weird. Cause I've always had like, despite being mostly an introvert, I've actually been really good at networking. So like I leveraged all my networks and I got into a really good place right off the bat. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm working for like one of the best chefs in Canada. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's such a weird thing to think about. Like, I, I don't even know how to talk about it, but it's basically like, yeah, just had so many great stepping stones. And then all of a sudden I was just like, okay, I'm being a total yeah. a-hole. And, I and, need and to, like, what, what made you back. realize you needed to network though? Like, you know what I mean? Cause I feel like that's like something that's common across like all like, like business, all industries. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean, I started catering basically right out of school. I had a lot of friends who were getting married, who had like little parties and basically a lot of rich friends because of where I worked in Toronto. And basically that ended up being, you know, like me networking to get catering gigs and to try and pay like my tuition and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have any student loans when I graduated, which was great because I did it in night school and I was working like seven to two in the morning. But at the end of it, I was like, oh, I make like no money, so I have to cater. So I kind of had to put myself out there. Yeah. Kind of had to figure out, like, I can put on a persona and kind of push myself to, like, get out there and talk to people. Was that uncomfortable? Oh, incredibly. <laughs> uh, Toronto really pushed me out of my cage, though, because I really didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to network with people. But, I mean, I can, you know, say that you came into my restaurant and I was literally like, hey, check this out. We're yeah. doing this. 
I'm great at talking to people about what I'm passionate about. And as long as I can kind of like get that initial introduction or get that initial like couple words in, I'm fine after that. So did you find like talking was your main way of networking? Because now, especially we have social media. We have people who used to do the telephone where they'd spam call you, right? Now you'll get text. Uh, even now, going back to social media, it's advertisement. Um, what did you, so was talking your main point at that point? Uh, talking and social media, actually. I was really in, like invested in Instagram right when it came out even Facebook and stuff like I got some great gigs just going from Facebook before Facebook was so big even just like Instagram uh, the guy I worked for I ended up reaching out to him after I met him at a party and was like hey are you looking for people like I can I can come in and stage and just work for free and get my foot in the door and literally like I said one of the top chefs in Canada and I just walked into his kitchen one day basically that's sweet and so did you know like in high school that you were gonna be a chef like did you know that this was like like was it from a young age I had an inkling, but like everybody told, tells you, don't get into culinary. It's yeah. shit. The pay is shit. It was like I pushed myself out of it for so long. I actually didn't. Uh, it was actually 23 when I moved to Toronto, and that's when I went to culinary school. So in from 18 to 23, I was just kind of kicking around the ball, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And yeah, I think everybody just told me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And at some point, I started to listen, and then eventually I was like, eh, screw everybody else. I'm not happy, so. That's important. That's huge. So I see your focus is on, like, fried chicken and barbecue and, like, the charcuterie-type style meats um, or, like, whatever else comes with it. Why did you choose that? At the time, it wasn't as popular as it was now, especially charcuterie. There was, like, so much, like, mythos and, like, complete bullshit on the Internet about it. There's, like, this mystique to it, and you're like, okay, cool. It's great you mystified this, but it's like, how do I actually do this? How can I produce this? How can I make it? But I already had like kind of a starting in my upbringing because I was around Italian people all the time. So I kind of, <laughs> you know, everybody was doing the same recipes that were handed down to them from like eons and eons, but nobody was making anything new or cool. So it was kind of like, okay, how do we improve this? How do we change it? That kind of thing. Yeah. And then I guess you added your little spice <clears throat> to it. Oh, yeah. Right. I've done like jerk takes on salami and like wow. just weird kind of playing with flavor combinations so what made you i guess branch out to to do your own thing like be an entrepreneur like was that always like a businessman was that always brewing inside of you as well or yeah i think that was something from like my childhood i yeah. was always like i was always trying to hustle always trying to make money you know i grew up kind of like lower middle class a little bit like on the poorer side and i always wanted like you know nicer things and basically i just never could afford it so i'd always have to like hey i'll have a lemonade stand i'll like yeah. you know i just kind of progressed from there yeah it's always been like even in my early teens i was trying to get a business off the ground so and and uh, i guess explain like <clears throat> that transition from like being an employee to like owning your own business like a lot of people i feel like they find that that's like like oh you it's easy like you own your own business you're the business owner but like i'm sure you found it completely opposite it's easy to get into business. It's not easy to stay in business because you never understand how much you have to work. Like it even drives my girlfriend nuts. Like literally I'm on 24 seven, seven days a week, even on my days off. She's like, you answer your phone more on your days off than you do on your days on. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, I got to get stuff done while I'm on my days off. You know, like I have to proof labels and I have to send out like, you know, emails to all these caters and, you're just always on. So I think that's the thing people don't realize when you go into business is like you don't have a day off. Even your day off is not your day off at all. How do you balance that with like relationships and family? It's hard. Uh, my businesses have ruined relationships that I've had and 
my family <laughs> my family hates me in a sense because I can never attend anything. Mm. I can't promise anything. And my family's far away, so at least that's good because I can use that as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. But literally, like, birthdays, I I go to birthday parties if they're on a Sunday. But that's pretty much, like, other than that, my family comes to see me. I might get to see them twice a year, three oh. times a year, like, actually visiting them. So it's kind of, it's difficult. It's really rough. But a lot of the times you can make it work. And as you progress and as you get more successful, sometimes you, it's not like you're getting less busy, but you're kind of focusing on different things at that point. So, yeah. And you're actually focusing on like, I guess stuff that's actually moving the business forward and like what's actually moving the, the needle forward. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and like focusing on like sustainability in your business. Like you can't sustain an 80 hour work week, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. I've tried, I've burnt out like six times. So, yeah. The thing is, like, it's it's not even work-life balance. It's when you need to take a break. You have to learn to take a break. You have to take a break and, like, it's like looking at Legos, right? Yeah. If you're looking at a pile of Legos, you're looking for one piece, sometimes you need to take that, like, five-minute sit-down somewhere else, and you'll come back to it, and it'll be right in front of your eyes. Because you're so focused on the problem, you're not looking at the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find it, like, are you just solo doing most of this work by yourself at the moment, or is there a team behind this whole thing? Uh, like project it's a little bit of both because i take on a lot but i have a lot of friends who pitch in and it's just like people have come together as a community to support me and i really appreciate that i got my buddy kadar aaron jay and heather they come out every once in a while they're like just tell me what day a week you want me to come here and we'll like sit there making breading all day or it's awesome you know it's just people really come together for you especially if they believe in your product and your mission and like where you want to be are these people, I guess, like um, that you knew when you came to London or, or people that you started to like know in the community once you started making this? All community. Actually, a lot of them are from Forked River. A lot of people just That's like, sweet. hey, I used to work here. Do you need hands for a day? And I'm like, sure. And I guess the other thing I should probably mention is my girlfriend is like the other big half of this equation because she is like a design freak. She designed the whole storefront we have. Wow. She is really good visually. Like she can she'll tell me, hey, your food looks like shit. <laughs> she'll she'll pull no punches she'll tell yeah. me exactly how it is and as being like i feel like i'm the big picture guy and she's the detail person you always need that relationship you know yeah somebody who plans a big event but he's gonna he's gonna be the guy that forgets the cutlery or forgets something small yeah. because he's so focused on the big event and the feel of the big event so she's really my detail person i remember back when i was in the kitchen like that actually be stressed so much the like how the food is presented how it looks you know what I mean? Like they would say like, it, like you taste it first with your eyes. Is that true? To some degree. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's weird. Cause like I'm not, I'm not doing fine dining or anything anymore, yeah. which is great to me because I find it boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think like doing all the avant-garde stuff is like really cool and breakthrough and cutting. But I feel like when you sit down to a good meal, you want something that looks homey and homey isn't necessarily like, you get out your plating tweezers and you adjust some micro chevrolet <laughs> or some stuff, but like homie is just, it has to look inviting. And I think inviting to me is barbecue. hundred percent. Yeah. I can agree with it. Cause like even think of like the old times when you're younger, how do you, how do like your whole family come together? Exactly. You're on a barbecue and yeah. you're like cooking all these different types oh, of whatever. Right? <laughs> so it's like, it's yeah, I can kind of hundred percent agree with that. Right. Cause it's like, even just like roasting the meat over the fire, it's like, it's something so unique that like we've figured out years before right so what's your favorite uh meat to work with or what's your favorite meal to cook 
Oh, oh, now you're asking me a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in my off days when I actually have time, I love, like, uh, just general Asian food. Uh, my friend actually owns a Thai restaurant in St. Thomas, and he comes and drops off food to me every once in a while, oh, which nice. is really nice. And it'll be, like, authentic home-style Thai versus, like, even just the restaurant stuff they put out. But if I'm, like, cooking for myself, you know, I like something braised, like a short rib, or, like, I would take even a braised, like, chuck roast, porchetta. Something simple, yeah. homey, that's like, it'll stand up to even like the next day when I'm hungover as hell and I throw it in the air fryer and just let it go. Yeah. What do you think about steak that's well done? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do I have to answer that? <laughs> no, I mean, everybody's got their preference. Honestly, I like a ribeye medium, yeah. but that's like my, the butcher in me, right? So yeah. I want that fat a little bit more rendered, but you give me a tenderloin, you give me a strip loin, I want a blue rare. I want it screaming. Blue rare. Eh? <laughs> See, I'm a mid rare guy, but blue rare, like, I'm about it. Like, <laughs> the leaner the meat, man, the, really? the less you need to cook it, right? Because, like, honestly, ribeye, it's that fat chunk, right? And a lot of places, like, they want to give you a specific cut of ribeye, and it's got the big fat chunk. And if it's rendered perfectly at medium, man, I could chew on that all day. Like, yeah. Is there any myths that you've kind of, like, come across while you, with barbecuing? Like that, like you've heard it on YouTube. It's like, do it this way oh. or this is the best way. <laughs> like, is there any ones you figured out and you can actually like bust right now? Oh, there's so much gatekeeping. Like literally I would love to cook on like an offset smoker and like, you know, just be up all night piling wood into it. But for me, that's like, that's not practical. And in Canada, you're going to pay somebody $16 an hour to babysit a fire overnight. Like, and it's a skilled job. So probably closer to 18 to 20 to sit there all night, just looking at a fire. I have a pellet smoker. It's a competition grade pellet smoker and we use the best pellets, but it's a pellet smoker. And there's a lot of gatekeeping with that. They all want you to use an offset. They all want you to use, you know, post oak and like, it's just crazy. There's, there's so much hate in the community and it's just, it's amazing because literally half the time you don't have time to sit there all night. Like I do 20 other things in a day when I got this smoker running. So but yeah, there's just so many myths and like you've tasted my barbecue. You yeah, probably have tasted other barbecue <laughs> Yeah. and it's, it comes down to skill level in my opinion, because these guys who are gatekeeping, it's their idea is the skill is stoking that fire and keeping that. My skill is making sure that meat is the same, that it's going to come out of that offset. And I have a whole bunch of tips and tricks and little things that I do along the way to make sure that I get to that level of perfection and even like serving it and holding it hot. We have different ways of doing it. And I think just that skill set, people don't appreciate it because they're all like, well, you need to have the skill of building the firebox the way it should be and all this stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's a weird community because there's a lot of like just uppity hate centered people that are just like, oh, well, you need to do it my way. Yeah. What would you say is your top three pieces of advice for someone who wants to cook like a steak on a barbecue? ditch the barbecue get a brisket <laughs> get about 10 to 12 hours and uh, throw it on your smoker but a steak honestly salt right beforehand if you want pepper do pepper but i would wait for the pepper because you're going to burn the pepper 95 percent of the time uh you can do if you got a really nice thick one do a reverse sear takes a little bit longer you're going to get what a do you mean by cook. reverse sear so instead of going like high heat and searing, you're actually going to go like towards a medium to lower heat and you're basically just going to constantly flip it back hmm. and forth. Cool. But like, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, no, uh, what I was going to ask, what's your thoughts on like chicken doing it in the barbecue? Cause like 
Like, do you find it harder because it or like turkey because it could dry out faster? Or do you oh, think God, it's easier no. to turkey's keep it my favorite, man? Uh, turkey and like chicken dry brine, ninety five percent of the time. You can do a wet brine too, and just you know, you add salt and sugar to water and you throw it in there. You can throw some herbs for flavoring, but basically dry brine, same idea. You throw salt on the outside, it basically permeates inside and keeps it nice and juicy as you cook it. So honestly, anybody who's serving you dry chicken or turkey, tell them to get out. <laughs> or, tell come, or tell them to come see me yeah that's perfect i had uh it's kind of segues into what i was gonna say so you saying someone come see me would you ever take all these like i guess your knowledge these tips and all this and kind of compress it into like a book or even like a youtube channel or something like that to get it out to people or yeah i've thought about it i mean th- that's the problem though the gatekeeping is so hard in the community so i think if i were to do anything i've actually actually started a cookbook two or three years ago and it was based upon like my whole food journey so it was like doing a lot of spanish food doing a lot of like octopus like sous vide and then basically just char grilling it yeah um romesco sauce and you know just like little the whole cookbook the whole idea was to present it in a way that it's technique driven so then instead of learning a recipe you're learning how to cook something so you can take that cooking skill and apply it to something else yeah where it's kind of like a journey as you're saying yeah your journey applies into like your cooking okay that's kind of cool so do you know a lot like how to cook in a bunch of different traditions and stuff uh so i was taught french in school i've learned a lot of italian i've done pasta i've done uh pretty much everything italian the charcuterie so um my fiance is italian so i love italian i've learned (laughs) i've learned some like traditional turkish stuff i've I've learned a little bit of everything. It's just yeah. kind of like piecemeal, but it's so funny because I see like a generation of chefs ago making things that they were calling Japanese or making things True. that they're calling Chinese. And it was like, it's just basically Pan-Asian cuisine where it's just kind of a, a mishmash of whatever, but you still see it on menus to this day where it's like pork stir fry doesn't have any descriptors. It's just like mm. this dish that they've come up with that they lump into Chinese food, but it's really not at all. Yeah. I guess what has been a, a main theme that you have seen across like all the different nationalities and styles of cooking? Like, like what's the important thing about cooking? Oh, it's about bringing people together. That's yeah. the important thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for cooking styles, like every place has the same cooking styles. You have sautés, you have roasts, you have braises. I mean, every, every cuisine has dishes that are almost the same and that are, you know, transitional based upon where it's from. So, you know, it's so weird seeing things from, you know, pretty much every Middle Eastern country, they have a variation of the same thing. Every Asian country has a variation of the same thing, but it's done in a very specific style or it's done with a very specific ingredient set that's native to where they are. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of mix and match there. Yeah, and I think, I think it's really cool because we're seeing a lot of people who are taking traditional cooking methods and, like, applying it to different ingredients. Yeah. So I know you said you kind of, like, added some new style to, like, your meats and stuff. Like, like um... I guess, is that what you're trying to do is trying to create something new with taste and, and with like how things are made or? I think within it, I, right now I'm kind of sticking to traditional barbecue, but it's basically like what I'm doing for barbecue is basically I'm trying to, you know, take all the best parts of different barbecue styles. Hmm. So we do like the, the Texas style brisket, but I'm doing more of like a Kansas style rib, you know, like it's everywhere's so focused on doing this central texas style so if you go to toronto every single barbecue place is pretty much doing central texas style and i'm like well you don't need to just do that like there's so many different barbecue traditions you can pull in it's the same with charcuterie everybody's doing the same thing you go to the supermarket you can try six different salamis and they all taste almost the same yeah 
Like, it doesn't matter. you got hot and mild, and that's pretty much it. You can yeah. taste, like, Casalingo. You can taste something like uh, Finocchio, and it's literally the only difference is there's going to be fennel in it. But if you go and taste, like, real imported Italy stuff, like, it's amazing. There's so much different stuff in Italian, like, cuisine that we don't get over here and that we're presenting as those items but aren't really. Cool. Um, I guess, like, uh, where, where is your restaurant right now? Like, location, and, and, and what do you guys serve? So right now we're all the way over on 45 Pacific Court, which is Clark and Dundas pretty much. Uh, so we have the barbecue in the back and the fried chicken. So we got uh, brisket, pulled pork, ribs, uh, fried chicken, chicken tenders. And then in the storefront, we have our salt and swine side, which is, you know, all of our packaged sauces, rubs, barbecue, sauce. We've got sausages, pretty much everything that's meat-based or, like, our packaged goods up there. So you guys operate both sides then? Yeah. Uh, that, man, that, that sounds so <laughs> stressful. <laughs> well, my girlfriend handles most of the front because uh, I can't cook and serve out, out of the front at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could try, but... I'm already a horrendous overreacher, so. Does one yeah. side do better than the other? You don't have to say which side, but like, does, does <laughs> Oh, the kitchen, I mean, because I'm in there and <laughs> don't tell her that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but seriously, the kitchen started first, so yeah. in that spot. So it's basically like there's already an established following. Yeah. People love my brisket, so they specifically come in and I'll sell it a brisket so before good. I sell it anything. So freaking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, man, I used to like, it was up until a little bit ago. I was going every Friday. How did you find out about. about I think it was the internet because my one buddy, so we were talking, it was literally on Facebook. This is actually a funny story. So Carl, he was on Facebook and then people were talking about like the best fried chicken in, in London. And then he actually, like, Carl wrote, whose is it? And then Kyle actually wrote back to Carl or something. Something so small like that. And then Kyle, Carl's like, yo, we got to go here. We got to go try it. And then we ended up going and then. We went and it was so good that we we're like, yo, let's make this a little tradition. We'll just go every Friday. We'll just yeah. go have a couple beers, have some fried chicken. That's crazy. And so it was, it was an online interaction that converted like I like someone into a customer. Yeah. 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 And, and and like were you just actively responding to comments? Yeah, you that's, know, I, that's I, like I try to so like even Google reviews. I literally try to reply to every Google review. I try to reply to people as directly as I can. If you message me on Instagram, you're talking to me. You know, like if you're if you're calling the business number, you're talking to me. I don't want to be just a face behind the company. I want to like have those interactions with people yeah. because I feel like you're getting the authentic experience if you're talking to me, because I'm going to tell you exactly what I know about it, what I can do for you. Like if you're looking for catering, I'm going to try and like, Hey, this is really what you should do. You know, I'm going to, I'm not trying to push my point, but I'm always going to try to make the customer happy and do the right thing for them. How important has social media been for you, for you and your business? Oh, huge. Absolutely huge. Um, with salt and swine. So we, Oh my goodness, <laughs> Salt and Swine, we, we, uh, we started about four years ago and literally, you know, grew the company to 1,500 followers in like less than six months. And 1,500 followers in yeah. this wow. that's good. And so like our conversion was great. We literally got into four restaurants within like three months. Wow. We we're in uh, Grace, David's Bistro, uh, Pub Milos. So we we're in some of the best restaurants in the city in my like your product was yeah. in the restaurants? So all of the charcuterie boards are featuring us. Uh, they were featuring us for like little events they did. It was great. So how, it was so, huge. So how do you um, like kind of keep a track of like how you're growing and like are you expanding more to more people right now or are you kind of like going like I guess I guess by stages right? So like let's cover ten people. Let's get in every store, be, have everyone happy, and then go to the next ranking. Or like how do you kind of operate on that? I was going that route when we first started with the salt and swine stuff, but then I figured you know what. 
I want to do direct to customer. I want to have that interaction. I want to have, you know, my girlfriend talking to people about the product or me talking to people about the product because I feel like when you bring it into another place, sometimes it gets lost in translation, what you're actually trying to achieve or what you're trying to like showcase. So Instagram metrics, like looking at the insights, looking at Google analytics, I have, you know, I went to school for computer programming at first. Like that was like one of the tire kicker programs that I did. Um, I can program in C++ and JavaScript and some stuff. That's amazing. I never use it anymore. That's cool though, man. It's a good hidden talent. Yeah, what the heck? That's so sick. So like that's that's great because I can actually like, you know, I have a little bit more of uh, on the IT side. I can kind of look at data and kind of process it a little bit differently. But I feel like you ever explore that avenue again or? I mean, I do it here and there with like web development and stuff when I'm trying to like build a website, but very rarely. Yeah. Uh, it's just something that it still interests me, but I'm not really, I can't sit behind a keyboard for eight hours a day. Yeah. I have to be hands on. That's kind of why I went the path that I did. Where do you see your business, I guess, in the next like uh, like five years? I know it's a cliche question, but like, <laughs> do you feel like expanding, like, like you know, franchising eventually? Well, I think or? if you can't answer that question, you're not doing something right because you have mm-hmm. to plan for the future. Um, I'm going to stay exactly where I am. I'm going to be in Fork River. I'm going to be serving food. And my thing is like the natural organic growth. I don't want to get too big to the point of where I have to make sacrifices in quality. I don't want to have to make sacrifices in service. I don't want to have to you know, push out a product I'm not going to be proud of. And I think like small measurable gains where, you know, if I get a food truck next year and we're at events. So all summer we did events. Yeah. We did beer fest. We did, um, I think we did about four or five events last year and we had to cancel because we just didn't have the capacity to do it. Yeah. So they've all been really successful then, right? Oh yeah. We, we took in a lot last summer, especially learning wise, because some of these events were the first time people have actually done them. So the organizers, they learned a lot, hopefully, yeah. and we learned a lot for sure. What were yeah. some big learning experiences from like, okay, now partnering up with someone else to an event and then now running something out of it? Uh, basically, branding is king. I'm not going to lie. Visually, you need to be there. Like if you're just in a white tent, nobody notices you. You get half the business. So we, we spent a lot of money. We got a, a branded tent with a back wall and everything. I haven't even used it yet, but hopefully for next season, it's going to be amazing. It'll attract way more people. But visibility is so huge. Like, you need banners. You need something to draw the eye because other food trucks that were there, we were just in a tent. We had no branding other than, like, a giant billboard in front of us, which nobody can see because they're walking in front of it. Yeah, no one's actually looking down sometimes, right? Exactly. So, like, branding and visibility are huge. Are you the one making, like, uh, having those conversations with these events and having these conversations with the restaurants? Like, are you front of the line, like, making these deals happen? Or? Uh, for the most part, I mean, I try and take a backseat sometimes. Jen's actually going to be taking over, over a lot of the event stuff. I just have too much on my plate. Of course. <laughs> I, know, I can't even imagine. But, yeah, I mean, most of the time, even after the event, I like to do, like, a debrief with the event host or yeah. whoever is actually collabing with the event. Like, are you so. just shooting emails after these events? And, like, can you have us on? Or how does that relationship start? I I'm have, sure a lot of people wonder. Yeah, I have a lot of personal relationships that I've developed through networking. But That's I've awesome. also, yeah, definitely I get a lot of email requests. I get a lot of, like, even Facebook and Instagram messages where it's like, hey, we're doing Rotary Fest this weekend. Do you want to come out? But a lot of it is like they tell me four days in advance and like it's not enough time to yeah, prep at all, right? Not enough time to prep. Even just like thinking about it, like I'm already probably booked. Yeah. 
95% of the time, those last minute things, if it was on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, maybe, but everybody wants a weekend day and everybody's just, okay, can you do this? No. So it's, it's so simple to say no, because at that point you're like, oh, I don't have an extra 25 hours to prep. I don't have any staff. I don't have, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and I guess like it's time is your biggest asset, right? In, in this world. So it's like, you got to be very meticulous with like, who's taking up that time. Well, and even your own sleep. I'm going to yeah. say that because the grand opening, I didn't sleep for almost two days. No Jeez. Way. What's that like? Uh, when you go home after that, you sleep like you've never slept before, <laughs> Yeah. but pushing that hard and you got to watch it, especially like getting older, being 35. Like I'm not 22 anymore. I can't not sleep for two days. Sure. Otherwise I start to get a little sloppy by the end of it. Mm. And it just feels, it feels like you're getting drunk. It feels yeah. like you're getting hammered and literally if you haven't slept for even a day, I don't suggest drinking. Like, yeah. If you don't mind, like, take us through that process. Like, what do you do in those two days when you're about to do a grand opening for a restaurant? Well, like so... Like, stages, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, it varies per place. I've done a lot of opening and closing places. But, I mean, usually in those days, like, especially the last couple of days, you want to test everything. You want to make sure all your equipment's working. You want to make sure all your staff knows exactly what's going on. You want even kind of what I call escape plan. So you want just a way out of every situation. You want to kind of think and break down every situation. You want to kind of make a flow chart of how the day is going to go, even if it goes to shit, how you're going to manage that, how you're going to manage the staff, how you're going to manage your own feelings. Like it's crazy the amount of stuff that happens in those kind of like the last two days before something opens. But I think thinking on your feet is a great ability. Like if you can, put everything aside and just kind of push your emotions to the side and just say, how can I change this? How can I make it better? How can I fix it? It's such an amazing skill to have. Yeah. I had a question. Um, so especially with like when you probably first started a uh, cow's fried chicken and barbecue, how have you seen the prices change? Right. Especially with like now. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I honestly really have this question. Cause like, I guess for me, it's just a standpoint of like, I've seen it from like, I guess our end is like, uh, what would it be? Consumer. Consumer, thank you. And then you as, like, a person who's actually providing it, how is that? It's crazy. Uh, I'm sure it's bankrupted a lot of restaurants. Literally, canola oil. So we used to buy 16-liter jibs, and they were between sixteen ninety nine and eighteen ninety nine. They're $56 right No now. way. 56 Wait, wait what? From yeah. $16 to 56 Yeah, it's insane. Canola um, oil flour so like we used to buy, be able to buy 20 stamps. kilo bags for like 14 to 18 dollars they're what? 24 to 26 right now no way and it's something simple like flour like you go through a ton of that in a week it's it's crazy like like everything is your suppliers up. are just having that awkward email like everything's going up but even the worst part is it's not even the upcharging or anything like that it's literally shortages too i don't know how many times i got shorted chicken during the week and i'm like well how am i going to make it through the week yeah you know that, and that must then, be scary yeah it's like literally i put so many miles on my car having to go pick up stuff or go direct to suppliers or and it's just like more time more money more gas gas being insane as it was yeah. like yeah it's crazy and i can understand why a lot of people just said screw this i'm out yeah and do you, do you see the trend like correcting at all or is it still kind of tough times out there or? things have slowed at least so the 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 prices haven't really gone up too much in the last little bit but certain things like the flour the flour has been the last few months where it's kind of slowly creeping up again and i think like the whole situation with ukraine right now ukraine and russia literally has pushed certain items up even further so it's just you know items in specific 
Um, the flower, the canola. Canola. They yeah. kind of, uh, they kind of all have either leveled out or kind of just stay going up little increments at a time. And I think it's just like, we could be buying in bulk with other restaurants and stuff like that. And I think we can kind of get like a small business coalition going together to yeah. do group buys and, you know, make our money go a little bit further. Yeah. But it's so hard to get people on board with that because every single restaurant at this point has been screwed by somebody. That's true. So it's probably hard to like actually want to trust someone at that exactly. point, right? No, I'm like, like uh, obviously like COVID screwed so many restaurants, <laughs> yeah. bro. Like stupidness. Like we weren't even able to like eat yeah. anywhere. <laughs> no, literally. Well, it's. I think that's the crazy part too. If like you want to be someone who starts off again, right? It's like you worry about that happening again and then facing that same um, problem you had during that time, right? Yeah, it's it's weird because like I feel like for a lot of people that say COVID has been good to them. They're kind of lying. But at the same point, COVID has also been good to me in a certain sense where I've like, I've had to reevaluate because before COVID, I wasn't doing this full time, but it really forced me into like, okay, I do want to be my own boss. I do want to push harder. I do want to, you know, see where this goes. And at the same time, it's also, you know, it's shown that the restaurant industry is so fragile and so vulnerable and it's taking, you know, taking advantage of staff members, like, constantly you see left right and center everybody's looking for chefs looking for cooks but nobody still wants to pay anything decent so yeah. i think it's exposed like the weakness of the food industry and you started before right before covid so we started salt and swine 2018 yeah yes, so and COVID. kyle's fried chicken was kind of in the middle of covid yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were already doing chicken pop-ups uh, under salt and swine but we really decided we need to separate the brands to make it like its own identity. So it started off as yeah. a joke and <laughs> it was just like the acronym was the same. So as uh, another KFC, popular right? joint. Yeah. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I was joking like, Hey, you know what? If I get a cease and desist, I'll frame that and I'll put it on my wall. <laughs> That's sick. That's a sick yeah. move. <laughs> I mean, if I still get it, I'm still going to do it. So yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, COVID, I feel like made us all kind of like think twice about how we're going about our lives. You know what I mean? Because it really had put everything into a halt, a pause. Um, I, I guess, like, how, how did you how do you deal with your mental health? You know what I mean? Like, especially dealing with a business and a couple businesses, it seems like, and like <laughs> relationships and stuff like that. Like, how do you balance that Like with your mental health? Uh, on the mental health side, I mean, anxiety is huge. I, I am an anxious person. I'm one of these people that it's either I get it done or I procrastinate for like six and a half years to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, there's no in between. So I mean, with my mental health, when I start getting things done, I feel so much better because it's like, if I can get one thing done and I think that's the biggest thing for anybody who procrastinates, if you can get one thing done, you'll feel so much better. And you're like, I can get 10 things done because getting even like, it's like starting a task and going through your task list and you find the easiest thing and you just do it yeah. because then you just feel so much better about it. But I mean, depression, anxiety, like in January, like when I got laid off, I didn't, I didn't even want to get out of bed. Yeah. I literally like moped around for almost a full month and it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But I think like once you push yourself and you get one thing that seems so significant done, you're just like, okay, I can do this. I can get back to this. I can, you know, and taking time for yourself. You got to take time for yourself. No matter how much you work these 80 hour weeks, you literally have to take a half day to yourself and just do something for yourself. It's as simple as like going to get a pedicure because you're on your feet all day. Yeah. And trust me, get a pedicure. If you're on your feet all day, your feet are gross. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. But yeah, simple self-care things like you can, you know, 
go home and have a beer and just watch something that is so like non-mentally stimulating yeah you can yeah. go and watch like family guy or bob's burgers and like oh, just yeah. something that you don't even need to watch to watch it like your brain is just kind of skimming through it that's huge though because i actually was listening to a podcast today funny enough and it was talking about the fact that like um i guess like that that like procrastination could could be a good thing as well because it's kind of like your body telling you you need to work on something right yeah and like that small little thing like if you have 10 things on your mind and you accomplish one thing at least one thing in that day like you're releasing dopamine in your body and like and like your body craves that feeling of, of accomplishing at least one thing that if you make that like a micro thing every single day like like you'll get used to like finding satisfaction off like completing your checklist let's say yeah you know what i mean oh for sure so exactly what you said to a t like that's super interesting yeah it's like building good habits right like yeah. you you start a new job you walk in and say something like baking at tim hortons yeah and it could be like so dumbed down but you're like okay well if i can build this into a list and i can like make my day easier and i can accomplish one thing and then you accomplish 10 things and you accomplish 20 it's just a rolling effect right you build that habit in where you're just like if i accomplish one thing i can do more yeah. So it's just like building good habits, building good, like it's, it's a mental health practice, right? Like literally chefs survive in checklists. My brain operates in a checklist. I have Google keep on my phone and literally every single thing is a checklist. Yeah. So it's just like you, you sit there and sometimes like if, if I have an off hour at work, I'll literally sit there with a clipboard and make a list. Yeah. And it's just such a mentally stimulating habit that like, if I can do one of those things, I'm probably going to get the rest done today, maybe tomorrow. Was there a time in your life when you kind of was like, okay, I need to focus on personal growth? Because like for me, like I, I could relate that to it as, as simple as like the January that just passed. You know what I mean? Like I can literally, like that day, I was like, hey, like fuck it, enough is enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for me personally, like was there a time when, when you were like, okay, I need to focus on like self-growth? Like, And can you pinpoint to a time or... Um, yeah, it was probably actually in January for me too. I really get down on myself in the winter months. I'm super pasty white. <laughs> I don't get the sun. So, um, you know, it just, all of my life I've worked for people and it just like kind of hit me that I was so tired of working for other people and having to rely on their decisions and how they affect me that it just like, I woke up one day and I was like, I need to take charge of my life and I need to like, I need to do this for me. Cause it's like, my personal growth is my business growth in a sense because I am my business. I think when you go to other businesses, you don't see the owner. Or you don't talk to the owner. I will literally come out to your table and I'll check on you and I'll be like, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can improve on? Did That's you amazing. like that? Because I think for me, my growth as a chef is also my growth as a person. Yeah, no, that's huge. Would you say you're content with like where you're at now and like how the growth is going with so coming from January where you made this decision like I got to do this wow what's your thought process now I mean I'm blown away by by what has happened but at the same point I'm never I'm never happy because I always want to grow I always want to do more it's I can kind of attest it to so the owner of Forked River Dave he's also a great barbecue guy and I got my brisket to a point where I was like yeah this is fucking amazing like you need to try this he tries it he's like yeah it's awesome Come, I come in the next day, and then he comes in behind me, and he's like, you're doing it different. Why are you doing it different? I'm like, because I can always make it better. <laughs> it's that mentality that you always want to build on what you already have, right? Like, yeah. I just constantly want to build, and I constantly want to get better. And I think you can only do that by experimenting and changing and 
just always playing with things. And I feel like that's when you kind of know you found your, your passion or your love for something is when you're consistently trying to perfect that passion or love. Yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's like finding where you think perfection is and then redrawing the line five minutes later. And you're like, yeah, well, if I can do this, I can do this even better. Yeah. I bet your girlfriend loves the fact that you can cook. <laughs> oh, God, no. She never sees me. Oh, <laughs> it's a twist, man. Yeah. It's like you would think you get all the best meals. You don't get nothing, apparently. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, it must be great. Your boyfriend's a chef. And then it's like, uh, yeah, except he never cooks for me because he's always cooking for other people at yeah. dinner time, lunch time. Yeah. So, I mean, like, she does love it when I do cook. But at the same point, when she cooks and I get home, I'm like, I just want a good home-cooked meal. So it's like I don't even... She thought of uh, every girl I've ever dated has been like, he's going to judge my cooking. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Feed me something. I'm happy. Yeah. You know, just don't burn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually kind of scary. Now <laughs> think about it. Imagine <laughs> the ladies having to cook something to a chef. Like yeah. it's kind of intimidating, right? It's like, uh, it would be hundred percent. Cause like, even if your lady was a chef and you have to cook for her, it's like, it's not going to be good, but like, you got to try your best. <laughs> you got to try your best. Yeah. Um, do any of you guys have any questions in the back? I guess uh, my question is, uh, uh, what's the secret to a perfect brisket? <laughs> um, you'd have to come and hang out with me for a whole day and I'll show you. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I mean, I, the real secret is like, it's a combination of things. It's trimming. Mm-hmm. You got to get your trim proper. It is a lot of people like kind of, I don't know if I want to say this, but a lot of people like circle jerk over the fact of like how many hours you smoke your brisket. Yeah. Never, ever say oh well i smoke every brisket for 14 hours 16 hours whatever and a lot of people just want to jump the number up and say it's like higher and be like oh 18 20 24 <laughs> a brisket is done when the brisket is done that's it like everyone is different so you just have to temp it touch it and then the other thing i guess is seasoning like a lot of people over season their brisket with different things salt pepper garlic and maybe something else that i can't tell you right now but <laughs> it's the perfect brisket spice that's all you salt need salt and swine you can get it there. <laughs> i've got it on my shelves <laughs> awesome Davey, you got a question too yeah all right, all right so uh kyle's fried chicken eh so and barbecue and barbecue. and barbecue sorry and barbecue <laughs> can't forget the barbecue but uh we've had this recent uptake in fried chicken throughout the city and probably everywhere in the world um realistically there there's some secrets some secrets in the sauce right but there can't be that many differences there we obviously know kyle's is the best but what what do you think is like the the absolute like separator for you there well uh being a butcher by trade it's probably a lot to do with how i cut the chicken how i brine the chicken even like just how i take the time to make it the way i want to make it like a lot of places make it. A lot of places have actually come to my pop-ups and then launched their businesses, <laughs> and I'm not going to name who. <laughs> but, I mean, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? Oh, yeah. Name them. Name them. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? Like Anybody can take, even if I gave them my recipe, I don't think anybody can make the chicken the same, same way I do. And I think it's just it's technique. It's the care and love you put into something. I think that can't be replicated because even – like I said, coming around to all the tables and checking on people, I feel like that makes a huge difference in even your perception of the chicken because I'm the person serving you. I'm also the person checking in on you. And you're like, oh, this guy really cares about what he does. Fair. And then um, the other one is when, 
So, like, did you do any culinary classes growing up? Or, like, like you, when did you really find that passion? I know you, you touched base about, like, wanting to go to school afterwards for culinary and people talking out of it. But, like, what age would you say? Were you, like, 10, 12? Like, where did it come from? Uh, it's kind of a weird kind of segue from, like, what I was doing. But it was basically my best friend. His name's Dan Goche, but we call him Doof. Yeah. <laughs> it's also food backwards, so it kind of works. But he... Uh, <laughs> He basically, <laughs> he went into culinary really young. We were, we always connected over it. You know, we read uh, Bourdain's book, and basically at that point, like, we were both heart set on doing this. He went and did his red seal. I was just getting into the kitchen at that point, but literally I got into it, and that's when I kind of was like, okay, well, it doesn't pay that well and all that stuff. So I kind of, that's when I kicked it to the curb for a while. And But it turns out he is, he's still a, a chef to this day. I have been cooking for 17 years. He's been cooking for about 19-ish. And then my buddy Dave, who is my other best friend. They're both Francophones, by the way. It's kind of weird. I don't <laughs> speak a lick of French. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're both – he's he's a front-of-house manager for a restaurant. Like, he's he's amazing bartender. He's great with, you know, basically all the customer interactions. So Dave and Doof, being my best friends all along, have, you know, kind of – brought me back to culinary fold at some point and that's how kind of things kicked off and i went to school that's awesome man and then the just last one for you there so everyone has a guilty pleasure you know that go-to like uh, i got five minutes left or i'm feeling lazy as hell like just going to grab something from the freezer <laughs> pop it in the microwave is, is it pizza pops for you or like <laughs> let's let's hear it <laughs> instant ramen i'm with you on that one i'm a total nerd and it's like uh I, for the longest time i was like uh, japan um japanophile so like i loved japanese food i you know like every kind of instant ramen i pretty much tried and you know you soup it up a little bit you throw like a, a marinated egg in there you throw some like pork belly you got looking laying around the fridge i mean not everybody's got pork belly laying around the fridge but <laughs> uh it's just one of those things like two or three o'clock in the morning you're getting off shift and all of a sudden you're like oh i got like ichiban ramen or i got like friggin nong shim tonkatsu in the in the cupboard and i'm like okay this is happening like <laughs> let's whip it up that's mm -hmm. awesome man thank you so much for coming on we'll let ricardo kind of talk us out here and uh yeah sweet i have like i guess one more question yeah um <laughs> so how do you keep your team like like together and all happy you know what i mean like like especially the boys in the kitchen or the girls in the kitchen and like you know front of house staff and just everyone in the team how do you keep them happy because like I used to, like I said, like, it's probably not the same sort of business, but I used to work at a restaurant and like, I found it very hostile environment when things got hot. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, so like I said, in my twenties, I was a bit more of a hothead, but now I've like, I found kind of like an inner calm and it's funny you, you're asking about that. Cause literally during the grand opening, I had my buddy Aaron online and I was kind of like whipping around the kitchen, doing other prep and it was getting really busy, but I was just letting him do his thing. And he's not like a trained chef or anything, but he knows how to make all the items on the menu. So uh, at one point, I just saw him getting completely rocked. And I just like, I step in and I'm just like, just take a breath. Takes a few breaths, gets back to it. I jump in with him. We're just motoring. We clear the whole board in like 15 minutes. And he goes, you're just like the most calming dude in the kitchen. <laughs> you just have this like thing where you calm everybody down. And I'm like, it's just learning how to orient yourself in the kitchen like it's you're looking at the chit rail and it's full of orders and you're like i'm looking five orders ahead you're looking at the first order i'll let you finish the first order and while you're doing that i'm going to prep you on all the other orders that are coming up 
So then it's like, you're assembling. I'm just literally pushing everything to you. Yeah. And I mean, it's just taking care of your staff, being happy, being good to them. Honestly, people will love you for that. People will jump off a bridge for you. Don't ask them to. <laughs> but literally, respect goes a long way. And like, your employees don't need to earn your respect. You need to earn their respect. Because once you've earned their respect, literally, they're like your family. Anything they ask for, you do. If, if they need a day off, you say, yeah. Because you know what? When it comes around, they'll take care of you too. It's funny you mentioned that because actually me and Ricardo had an experience this Sunday where we just went out for like for a couple of drinks and we were talking to this 81-year-old named Bruno. Oh, yeah, Bruno. And he told us the exact same thing. A lot of it came down to because him and his brother had a business and it was they would get they would do whatever they, their employees needed just to keep them happy. And then, did, as you said, they'd do anything for you. So I think there's a big correlation with however you treat them is how they're going to treat you. And exactly. then if you, you'll do anything for them, they'll do anything for you, right? So Yeah, and I think on that same note, like, my policy is if you screw me, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to try to get even with you, nothing like that. I'm literally just going to drop you yeah. because, you know what, I don't need that kind of energy. I don't need, you know, somebody not showing up to do something. I'm just going to say, okay, great, no problem. Yeah. And then I just, you know, leave it there. That's it. Because as soon as you take that on, as soon as you, like, internalize all that, emotion you're basically just going to get angry at other people that are around you you're not going to get angry at that person you might be angry at that person but you're going to take it out on other people so my kind of advice in that situation is like just stop stop yourself from doing anything and just get back to what you're doing even if it ruined your entire day it doesn't have to ruin somebody else's Or there's a bunch of hostile environments. Like, yeah. where the F is the veg? Where the <laughs> F is this? Yo, I gave you like 10 veggies. It's not my fault you pushed it out only eight, you know? Like, but yeah, anyways, um, well, I guess uh, what are some last pieces of advice that you would give to our audience who wants to, I guess, start their own business or even pursue like culinary? Honestly, just do it. Just get out there. Try something. Literally, the guy who does box lunch burger code, Dan, he's a good buddy of mine. He literally just started doing pop-ups. He's not a trained chef. He has his food handlers. He learned a bunch of stuff on the fly. All it took was just some encouraging words. And like I said, hey, man, I got your back. You want to try this out? You know, if you want to get out there, find somebody who's already doing something. Find somebody who has done something in the same vein. Find somebody who has some kind of experience and use them as a mentor. Why not? Because these people, if they're nice, they're going to give you valuable experience that you don't already have. But 95% of it is you pushing yourself to get out there. That other 5% is just the people who come along and help you. Because they'll happen. If you're a good person, things will come. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I guess we can conclude it there, eh? Yeah, that's a good way <laughs> to wrap it up. Uh. So, yeah, thanks for everyone who, uh, you know, tuned in all the way through. And make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, we'll make sure to add all the URLs to follow your pages as well. Babe. Yeah, and just awesome. don't forget, if you're in London, go check out his, pl- his spot. You have to. You have to. We'll so. make sure to have some stories of us eating there, you know, <laughs> yeah. just to just to pro- entice you guys. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Peace, peace, guys. Take care.